0: Hi, it's Grace and Bay. You are listening to our Chinese and English Journey. Today, we've invited one of my very first friends that I met at language school when I moved to the States. Welcome, wen Hello, hi, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for coming to the show. Um, I've been following wen family bilingual journey particularly inspired by her move to a school district with multiple Mandarin Emergence programs. My family also follow a similar path moving to a district so my kids can attend a Mandarin Emergence school.
1: Thanks, Grace. Before we start, let's do a brief introduction about When she, when she was born in Taiwan prior to moving to the States, um, when she was an English teacher at an after-school program, then when she moved to the States, she became a Mandarin teacher at a private school in California before starting her family. As you can see, when she's very passionate about teaching and bilingualism, we're honored to have her with us today. So let's get started. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your family's bilingual journey.
0: Yes, you say it. I was born and raised in Taiwan and I came to the, <clears throat> I came to the States at age 31 to attending a college that's where I met Grace at a language school so we went long time ago um, so you can say I'm a native speaker of Mandarin Chinese but for my English thanks your title is my English Chinese journey right that's a long journey for me to get my English right so uh, my English level is not a good on the other hand it's like intermediate high I'm still learning english every day especially with my daughter now and believe me she correct my accent my pronunciation all the time <laughs>
1: <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about the um bilingual journey that you guys have implemented in your family
0: uh sure so before my daughter was born i know i want her to be able to speak mandarin uh the main point is to be able to communicate with my side of family, because very little of them can speak Mandarin, or speak English very fluently, right? Considering everybody get a 12-year education in English back in Asia, or what? but yeah, that's another story. Uh, so when she turned about two, and I found out there's no classes I can send her to like pre-k school or play group. So I started a Mandarin play date group. Uh, We actually met all the members at a nearby park. So at first you will just approach them. If you hear them speak Mandarin Chinese, you say, hey, are you from, you know? Uh, So you become friends with a group of of kids. And then we will meet uh, once a week. So that's how we started. my daughter interesting thing is her mother tongue is mandarin of course because i talked to her in my womb and after she was born and actually my my husband's family complained a lot about this here i have to give it a tip for a lot of family who whose family member will complain that why would you always talk you know speak chinese to your kids we don't understand what you guys are talking about and from all my knowledge and my teaching experiences I always tell those family members, just be patient. The child need to establish one home language, which is the mother tongue, right? Which is my tongue, it's not your tongue, sorry. And just be patient. So my daughter finally just all of a sudden within a week turned bilingual, English and Chinese, around two and a half. And how I found out that is one day that day, we were just playing telephone when we are waiting for the food to be served. So I say, all right, mommy's going to uh, tell you one thing and you tell daddy. And she just translated automatically. And now, both my husband and I, we are like, oh my gosh, she's bilingual right now, just naturally. So all the hard work pay off for the first two and a half years. So to continue doing that, of course, we want to send her to um, Mandarin Emerging Preschool. And that is a long story short, not a lot of choices, even in the city we live in. Can I say where I live? (laughs) Of course, that's up to you. Yeah, it's the second largest city in the U.S. It's the biggest city in the West Coast of America, so you probably can tell, right? Um, There are a lot of Asian populations here, especially Chinese, but not on this side of the the city. Most of it in the East side or in the South. Uh, So we, we have only two choices. So we sent her to this preschool with the Mandarin Emerging Program. Uh, The facility is horrible. Uh, (laughs) You would never want to send your kids there just because, but because the Mandarin Emerging, we sent her there. She was happy there for three years, Uh, but I did not send her there for the whole full time, five days a week. I supplement because I like to use, I I just like to spend as much time I can with her before I have to return to school, uh, return to work. Yeah, so that worked out for us until we had to send her to um, elementary school. And of course, because we saw how she continued her her Mandarin, her Mandarin, listening, everything is, you know, is improving. So we just continue sending her to uh, elementary school. And as Grace mentioned, actually we heard about this uh Mandarin Merging program. It's a public school system. And we heard about it on the street when a stranger overheard I I spoke Mandarin to my daughter. And she stopped and looked at us and said, you got to send your daughter to this school. They have the best Mandarin emerging program in the West Side. I said, oh, okay. So I started to research. And as Grace might know me, I'm a very serious person. Too serious (laughs) for many aspects. So we moved because of that. All right. It's only five miles you know, south to but it will be two miles only to this school. And then I toured maybe five times before we joined the school program and I donated, I participate in any any activities they they say they will have been hosted to really get to know the program very well. So I'm sure like okay, I feel safe to send my daughter there. So she's in fourth grade right
1: now. Wow. And and I think um, maybe Grace had mentioned earlier. Was there was there was were you selecting between two different schools or was it just that one particular school where you toured it and it felt comfortable and that's where you decided ultimately to send your daughter to?
0: Uh, that's a whole background story to that choices. So originally, the school the, the Mandarin program was founded in that school back in 2010 when the school is closing because the the low registration rate. Uh, so the parents just requested, if it's emerging, we will come, and that that was what happened for five years before we joined the program, and but by the time the program had grown so much, uh, the number doubled, uh, tripled, and quadrupled, and you know the the traffic issue is very bad in the city, so they actually just turned down the district, had to turn down, uh, keep adding the classes. Because the neighborhood was complaining. So we were so upset at the time because it's like a year before my daughter had to start kinder. And we were just so upset. We protest and we we try to sign a, a petition, say, really, you guys chose education. I'm sorry, you chose traffic over education. <laughs> but that's a reality. I understand the neighborhood was they they suffer a lot from the traffic. So the district had to back off and they make a compromise. So they say, all right, we're gonna have a sister school nearby. And so we're gonna put the originally the, you know, two more classes into this new school. And luckily I live two miles away from this school too. Otherwise I have to move again. <laughs> so that comes down to only two schools, right? Different campus, similar program, pretty much identical program. So one of my my mom friend who is very dedicating too. So we do a lot of research. We count the traffic, food. We count. Uh, we calculate the, um, the weather because one school is closer to the coast, so they will have marine layers in the morning. So that's not good for my child's allergy symptom in the morning. Yeah, the marine layer will disappear around ten thirty, which is after the long recess. Yeah, we are those kind of crazy mom, and then we put on pouring cans. <laughs> And we emailed to everybody who has the the difficulty to make a decision, but at the end, I reminded all the parents, I say, for me, weather, campus, shades, everything, traffic, it's one story. Uh, For me, the most important thing is the teaching, the teachers. So um, it came down to teaching, so I went to the classroom, of course, multiple times. And I saw the teachers, what they post on the wall, what they, what they taught um, in the class, what kind of material they're using and the kids' performance. So you know that's a pretty good school for us.
1: um when you went into the school what did you like about the curriculum made you decide okay this is the school that i do want to send my kids to and given especially given your background in teaching as well
0: yes so for most parents when they went in um went on the tours and just you know toured the campus looking at a the, the thing they give it to you, the PowerPoint, it's all dog and pony shows, you know, but you look at a specific. So what I like about our current program is because it's a unique background, when you started 10, 12 years ago, we started kinder to third grade. This first four years, the kids learn traditional characters. That's pretty unique when you look across the different programs. Um, and then we switched to Simplify characters in fourth grade and uh, fourth uh, goes on. And I like that fact because I'm from Taiwan and some family are from uh, Hong Kong, so they will prefer the kids to be able to read uh, traditional characters. And that's also a very cool fact. If your kids can read in traditional, they can read the an ancient Chinese script produced 2000 years ago, right? And another thing is, it's always easier to learn traditional first. You learn these complicated radicals and components. And when you go into fourth grade, most kids will just, they will get confused, of course, in the beginning. And then they will realize how easy it is <laughs> to learn simplified, how much last strokes they have to learn and memorize. Even though sometimes they, they didn't make sense for certain characters, but we appreciate the the time saving, right? So this is the uniqueness of our program I really like. And the second thing is I like how our teachers are all native speakers. Um, it might be a bias, but I personally think you want to learn the culture so well. There's a lot of very minor and subtle things only the native speakers will say. Like how you say, I or oh, we will never say, oh my God, right? It's like, oh the Maya, right? <laughs> Those kind of things. Um, for when I was comparing my program to another school, which I preferred, they happened to have an incident. Uh, a lot of teachers, six of them actually, quit at the same time over the summer before we started, before we had to apply. And of course, I started to, you know, scoop around and, and try to collect the gossip using my network. And, and I was like, oh no, this is not good. Six teachers quit at the same time. Is it politics or is some kind of, I don't know. But for me, I didn't like that. And then they rehire new teachers. And many of them are non-native speakers. And overlay. I just don't feel 100%, you know, persuade to send my kids to non-native speakers. I might be biased, so but that's what I, I would prefer. It.
1: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Thank you for that. And also, can you just describe a little bit how the school set up in terms of, um, because you mentioned it's a Mandarin version and there's an English aspect of it as well, how the um, English and Chinese split works, particularly going through kindergarten, maybe down to fourth grade, how that kind of time changes, how that percentage changes.
0: So I think the percentage is always 50-50 the model. So they would do, all right, for example, you have a to 2.30, right? Every day, six hours, they say. So the first three hours is usually Mandarin or English. Each class have half and half, right? So the half day, they will have English class. And then in the afternoon, they will have Chinese. They will switch in the middle. And the next day, they will pick up. If they left the classroom in Mandarin class that day, the next morning they will continue the Mandarin class and of course they will learn the subject matter like in the kinder is much easier right you learn all the animals so kids you don't have to translate for them very soon they'll pick up a dog is go and cat is mom and they will just do that learning uh, the subject matter in their target language and then what goes to first grade you start to see a little bit the differences there because some Topics be- become a little bit trickier, like solar system, all right? Or the growth of the plants, the life cycle of the plants. It will be harder for kids who doesn't have the support, resources at home, or they are not learning managing all the way since kin- uh, pre-K or at home. It will be so hard for them to memorize all the terms for the cycle of the plants, right? There's a 种子, there's a or. rah rah so you start to see a little bit of differences. So the teacher might have to spend some time explaining in English about this kind of science subject. And for math, interestingly, they do very well. I was worried about math because the terminology and everything is so different. But surprisingly, kids take it very well, learning math in Mandarin. And actually, it's much easier to learn math in Mandarin from my personal Perspective. Yeah, you're nodding, right? Because all the numbers, Yers and Su, there's you no know, um, uh, single syllabus, right? It's easier to count and to understand. And for triangle in Chinese, it's a three angled shape, right? So you don't have to remember what is tri, what is triangle or rectangular, it's just chang xin, right? A long shape. So that's easier. So math is always easier. But when it comes to science, a little bit tricky. Um, And when it comes to like social science or society, culture, like when you try to talk about a story about the President Lincoln in Mandarin, you start to see that in second and third grade, and the kids have a little bit more hard time. They probably understand the stories in classroom well. They understand the concept because they just learned that from the morning in the English class, right? So they learn the story about the slaves, about President Lincoln, about the independent um, war, civil war. But when you ask them to, can you talk, uh, can you tell me a little bit about the story about civil war? How about President Lincoln? And they just stumble. They can't really express themselves because they have very limited vocabulary they learn from the Mandarin class. So you start to see a little bit split and the lagging between the English and the Chinese class. And it will get just uh, more distinct as they go higher grades.
1: And kind of um, taking a look back sort of when you started um, looking at Mandarin immersion program, what was your goals for your daughter? Did you have any specific goals that you had set for your family, your daughter that you wanted her to achieve by the time she finished the school?
0: Oh yeah, you bet I have. I have almighty goal (laughs) for my daughter. I'm not a tiger mom, I have to say that. Every time people say, you're such a tiger mom. I say, no, I didn't even send her to learn piano or any instruments. Well, she learned for two years, but she quit. Anyway, um, back to the question. (laughs) My goal is when she started preschool two years uh, at age two or started kinder at five, I want her Chinese so good, so well, and she can enter any college in China when she turns 18. I don't mind her if she can do that. But of course, very soon I told Grace, after three years, yeah, it's not just my child, right? You know that. Half of the genes are from the (laughs) dad. And even though I try so hard, I give her all the tips, how to be organized, how to study, the test skills everything. Um, and I just noticed that at second grade, especially second grade is 2020. You know what happened in 2020. So I just give up on that almighty goal. And so my goal quickly straightened down to the minimum of as long as you don't hate Chinese. <laughs> Mommy is fine with that because surprisingly by age no great second second grade. um i remember very clearly one day she asked me she say if i do well i get 4 out of 4 will you be happy will you love me more mommy oh my god that's the moment i know and i had to explain to her using the you know modern parenting skills mommy will always love you no matter what you got 100% or 50% <laughs> those kind of thing and I actually explain to her right a report card is written in your name not my name and the only reason I want you to learn Chinese is because blah, 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 blah. you want me to, you want to talk to your cousins in Taiwan and yep yeah, she accept that and I accept that too like all right let's keep going as far as we can and we'll see how it goes just like don't hate Chinese when you become a teen And complain like how come I'm half Chinese? By the way, my daughter is a mix, so she's half Chinese, half Jewish. And of course she didn't learn Yiddish or you know Hebrew. Yeah, she refused to do that. Say, Don't let me don't let me do that again. (laughs) I was like, What? I'll never ask you to do that unless your father asked you to, but yeah.
1: Well, both are very hard languages to learn. So she's learning one of the two. Mm. (laughs) Wow. In terms of what can you just can you talk a little bit, kind of expand more on in terms of your daughter's progression in Chinese um, from kinder. And then I guess you said the turning point was around second grade, like how the Chinese progressed throughout the years. And I think um, just kind of give the listener a view. I think your daughter's four and 10 years old and fourth grade right now. Right. So just kind of give the listener a view on how it's progressed throughout the years.
0: Yes. So um <clears throat> For some very eager and anxious anxious parents I met on campus or at a playground or in my after-school program or tutoring sections, I always tell them before two, that's not much you can do. The kids can't even talk very well, okay? And sometimes the parents struggle. Say, I speak Cantonese. I, I didn't speak Mandarin well. Or I don't feel comfortable. I say, just choose whatever you are most comfortable with. It could be Spanish. It could be English. It could be the... Mandarin with heavy heavy English accent, but you're gonna choose one that you don't have to think and you feel most comfortable with. And then between age two and five, I would say if you can afford it, hire a Mandarin nanny, hire a Mandarin tutor. Um, uh, College kids just came from uh, China, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Singapore, doesn't matter. But then the kids get used to listening and speaking this understanding the language. And just, then the kids that like, doesn't feel like scared or feel weird about this language. Um, and then after five, when you go to kinder, then your reading and writing have to come in. So this is the same thing for my daughter, right? <clears throat> so we keep a um, pray group with her. So listening and speaking for her before five is easy peasy. And they can switch easily, naturally, you'll be so surprised with kids, right? You don't explain to them, you don't have to do translation. And they will just turn around to me speaking Mandarin, turn around to their friends speaking English, even though they all speak Mandarin. Because English is still a social language for them, even with young kids, they know. But they will turn around to another teacher speaking English, or another asian looking face people speaking Mandarin, and realize that, oh, you're Korean? You are Japanese? Oh, sorry. Okay. But by five, that's the reading, writing come in. And oh, I, I want to add a little bit something here. The reason why I like our current program and we chose it because Nadia implements on um, pinging spelling before second grade. So for first grade, uh, I'm sorry, for kinder, just like learning phonics, learning alphabets, right? When you see A, you just pronounce it. And when you see the word or the character Ren, you just say Ren as a person. Uh, So they don't ask you to do that. First grade also. They even teach the kids in first grade about the concept of radicals. So I like that too. So they postpone that until second grade to do the spelling, the ping spelling. So I think that's a very natural uh, process for kids' uh, linguistic acquisition because that's how we learn a language and it's pretty natural. So just for the listeners who know these tips. So don't force it because I actually have to protest when my kids were in the fourth uh, age four and the pre-K school. They want to move the kids to start writing at age four and do the pinging and memorize the poems, you know, classic Tang Dynasty poems. I was like, come on, the kids can only relax for their whole life, the first five years, okay? We can wait for another year. I've just signed a petition for some parents. So we're being split into two groups, right? For us, we are a failure group who refuse to learn <laughs> at age four, refuse to to hold a pen or a pencil. I say, it's worth it, really. And I have to tell you, I still know those kids from both groups. Some of them are in the same class, which is my daughter now. It doesn't make any differences. Maybe by kinder or first grade, you know the kids know, like, oh my God, they know 500 characters already accumulated from the pre-K, right? But it doesn't mean anything when it goes to first grade or second grade. They all even out, really. So don't start too early, especially holding the pen and everything else. Mm-mm. Yeah.
1: And then in terms of um, your daughter, so you kind of talked about the two to five and then the five above. And then around second grade, what kind of change around there? Or is it the sort of the curriculum or your daughter's interest? And obviously, COVID had a part in that as well
0: all of the above, whatever three things you say. So COVID, we know what happened, right? Virtual learning, it's pretty hard for younger kids, especially for a language like Chinese, because some kids need to touch it, feel it, write it. Um, Another thing is uh, personality. Every child is different. I've seen like parents have three kids, four kids, but every child had different preference. Some did so well, some never learned it well. Um, so my for my daughter, she just switched to English better because English is much easier. <laughs> like she wants to start reading chapter books. She wants to read graphic novel. And that's easier to do um, in second grade if you do English. In Chinese, it's different um, different story, right? Even though you have chewing or pinyin, you start to read those chapter book. We call it bridge books, the Chao Shu. In Chinese, it's just much harder. And she wants me to read to her, for her. I said, no, you're in second grade. You don't treat mommy as a human tab recorder anymore. You have to try to try to recognize the characters, try to spell it out the words, and then you can ask me for a few words. And she has no patience for that. That child has no patience. <laughs> and then she said, ah, that's too much work. Forget about it. And that's how I lost her at second grade. Oh, by the way, I have to mention one thing. When my daughter entered kinder at age five, she didn't know a word of alphabets. A to Z, she know none. So her, her, her language is really just Mandarin Chinese. And two months later, I remember in October, yes, in October, her English teacher came to me. They are so nice, typical American teacher. Oh, I'm sure your daughter's Mandarin is really good. That's what I heard. But, as soon as I heard a but, I know, I say, okay. Let me know. Can I have the material or any books I can use? How much time I have? I will cram it. I will let her catch up with the class. I say, yeah, because, you know, only maybe two or three out of the 50 kids in our kinder class who, who don't know alphabets yet. Your daughter is one of them. I say, I understand. Sorry about that. So apparently they don't teach alphabets anymore in kinder because they all learn that in pre-K, right? So we catch up in a month, really. Every day after... After dinner, we we do a few alphabets, and that's it. English is really much more easier, three times easier than Chinese. Yeah. And the third aspect is, all right, first one is COVID. Number two is personality. Child has no patience. And the third one is just the nature of the Chinese. So as I mentioned, in kinder, you just need to learn, you know, 60 detection words. Very simple, right? Ren, da, ti,an, xiao, And then maybe a hundred high frequency words. And then in first grade, you have to upgrade to 300 characters. You have to acquire that, including the 100 back in kinder. And then you have to learn some radicals, right? The simple one, the person, the water, the fire, ut. And then by second grade, that's a jump. All of a sudden, that's a jump. You need to learn a longer sentence pattern. It's a compound sentences. It's a longer phrases. You have to learn idioms. Ooh, the idioms. You need to learn that to show your Chinese proficiency, right? And of course, the COVID, right? And the child has no patience. I just said it like eight times. <laughs> so she's like, mommy, this is too much for me. Can I just read in English? I was like, okay. But shan bu all right? Moms are not maimed by one day, right? We say, okay, I compromise. You don't need to read in, in Chinese, but we keep listening to the audio books. Yeah, I say you can fool people with your foreign face. Okay, people won't expect she will speak fluent Mandarin. Looking at her face, but if she can keep keep you know just keep up listening, speaking, that's good enough for me. So we keep listening to audio books, and I made her watch the you know the dramas with me. (laughs) The dramas from China, like you can be so safe about that. That's always PG, right? You will never see anything weird or violent. Um, So it's safe to watch the dramas with her in Chinese or some shows from Taiwan you gotta choose first. The uh, the, The shows in Taiwan now become very different whatever we know 20 years ago. So the better thing is just you watch it first. And when I watch those shows with her, I always turn on the subtitles. Yes. And I say, no subtitle, no shows. So she's kind of like forcing to read. And Grace, remember, that's how we learn our characters when we're little. There's always subtitle. You can't turn it off when we grow up in Taiwan, even now. My husband found it very annoying. But (laughs) that's how you learn. That's how you get your, your literacy.
1: Yep, we, we, do very, we do very similar things as well in terms of our screen time is very limited to Mandarin yeah. and we also turn on the subtitles. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one aspect of it, especially screen time is very enticing for a lot of kids nowadays.
0: Yeah, but need to have subtitles on.
1: Yep. Wow. So
0: based on all your experience, do you think Mandarin Emergent
1: School can produce students who become fluent then in Chinese?
0: Uh, that's a very good question. And the question I want to convert it to, do you believe kids who never left Asia can learn English very well? What do you think? <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah, so I would say yes and no to that question. And I need to say some parents have some kind of illusion. I have to say the word illusion. Like they expect if you send the kids to the management program six hours at school, one teacher with 25 kids or more and your kids will get how much time from the teacher speaking Mandarin maybe half hour top maybe 10 minutes only a day and they will miraculously become so fluent in Mandarin even without any support and resources at home I think that's an illusion sorry about those parents out there because even for me I always tell the parents because I'm a very good and bad example and I always tell the kinder parents when they just come into the program first day, I say, I'm a language teacher. I teach both English and Chinese. I'm a tiger mom, but not really a tiger mom. And I try so hard, but my teach, my, my kids is still not really fluent, com- compare, you know, consider all the four skills. It's a lot of work and a lot of time. Um, so it really depends on how much time, energy, efforts, resources you are willing to put in. Um, For my personal uh, experiences, I took her back to the motherland, which is Taiwan. All my family still live there. So my child is turning 10 next month, but we have been back to Taiwan for 12 times, okay? And each time we will stay the shortest time we stay is three weeks. That time I went back to visit my mom. She was in the hospital. And the longest one is during the pandemic. We went back to Taiwan to enroll in the public school for six months. So that's how long we stay there. Um, but that's another illusion for parents too. I have to break that illusion too. They think if I send the kids back to, uh, send the kids to China, to Taiwan, do whatever, Mandarin speaking, country for a summer camp or whatever and they will become miraculously and mandarin no they will always find a way the life find a way they will gather together with other english speaker to survive yeah i just told the parents to sign up for a summer camps that no, nope, don't go to the international camp uh-uh they will have so many kids you can just come um you know later meet up and messenger kids speak in English, but they never learn Mandarin well. So the tip is you put in the resources, right? You invest in the time. You either hire a Mandarin tutor, Mandarin nanny earlier, Mandarin tutor later, and then you watch the show with the Chinese subtitles on. Every morning, every evening during your commute, it's the audiobooks, all right? And whenever you have a chance, build a library with all the Chinese books you can get. Borrow it from the local library, buy it, um, just do whatever you can. You need to try your best before you give up and and hope for like one day you kids will wake up, speak Mandarin fluently. It's not going to happen. No way.
1: So it sounds like a definite no from your response there.
0: Yes and no. Yes and no. I do see some kids, um, you know, as as a teacher, having a teaching experience for more than 10 years. You know some kids, maybe 1% or 3% of each class. I would say one of each class, you will be lucky. They were so good with memory skills, with everything. They would look at the Chinese characters and then listen to the pronunciation once those three times. They're done. They memorize the whole text. Like, how did you do that? What do you def- what did? What do you eat for breakfast? That's crazy. All right. But most of the kids. They have to do the repetition, they have to do the drill, they have to write and write over like a hundred times, at least 20 times, if not a hundred, to memorize their characters. And that is, if the teachers are good enough, they teach you the origin, they teach you how to remember that word, what's the origin, what's the formation, what's the components put together for that character. So it's good for character recognition and retention. Otherwise, they memorize this, a week later, oh, they forgot. It happened every year, right? And they they learned 500, they lost 300. And they pick up two more 100, they lost another 200. It's a constant battle, just like my English. So I'm always stuck in intermediate high, not going to native level.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of folks, and I think that's really good to let the listeners, especially people who are embarking on this journey, that it is a lot of effort as we all know and a lot of resources are spent on it and it's also consistency if we don't have that it really you really cannot get to the level that you hope the kids could that you hope your kids would want to get to
0: um
1: then kind of switching back to so we kind of know that it doesn't work out but in terms of like you know the community being in the Mandarin Merchant School what do you think was effective like what was some of the positive that came out of being in that type of environment, particularly given that she's mixed and also her identity and sort of the culture aspect of it.
0: Yeah, the best part of being in a community with other language learning families and learners is the kids find out this language is useful. Remember this sentence, if you forgot everything we have talked about so far, you the kids have to remember and feel this language is useful to her or to him, because if it's not useful, Little Jimmy or Johnny does not want to go to school. Or say, "Hey, I just do this. I just watch this and learn this. Can you do that too? You know?" And of, like, I remember my my daughter will come to um will come home and tell me, "Oh, mommy, my teacher teach me uh taught me this today, and I just we just learned that from the show or from the book you bought me, and I I'm the only person in class who know the answer to it. So she's very happy. So she find it useful." And another thing is when you see kids with your face, right? Um, Usually you don't see a lot of mixed kids in a lot of schools, like um, 2% maybe. 2% is usually the percentage for the Asian student body in a lot of schools, especially in our city. But when you go to a program where everybody looks like you, everybody's like, where are you going this summer? Going back to Taiwan, going back to China, going back to Hong Kong. It's a norm, right? So you won't feel like you're weird or my grandma is visiting from Singapore. We have to take one week off to Vegas. Those kind of thing. It's norm, it's normal for them. So you feel like, okay, I'm not weird. This this stuff I'm learning is useful for me. And my grandma just complimented on me and give me a red envelope because my Chinese is so good right now. Okay, so I think that's the main purpose for learning Mandarin. Um, instead of just, you know. Uh, homeschooled or going to an after-school program where everybody looked different like you.
1: So now kind of looking back, what do you think you would do differently with the bilingual journey given what you know, sort of your daughter's style and personality?
0: And uh, I usually don't take the re- regret pills. That's my my life <laughs> philosophy. That's a Chinese thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't take a regret pills, but the only thing I would do differently, I would say, if I know this pandemic will go on so long, I will go back to Taiwan back in March, 2020, right away. So my my kids will have a better foundation for first grade and second grade, and she will have more time to bond with my family, her cousins, and make a real good friends. Um, that's the only thing I, I would change, but you never know, right? So in terms, of kind of looking
1: forward now, and it sounds like she will. You so she will stop going to the school um, in fifth grade. It sounds like, or she will continue.
0: Yeah, we will graduate in fifth grade and go into middle school from sixth. Our program is usually uh, is actually a uh, pathway for twelve years, thirteen years actually, K to twelve. It's all planned out, and it's all in the same neighborhood. Um, so she'll uh,
1: continue in the school for. Uh, the- no, she won't. She won't. Okay. So then, and then in terms of what would you, um, what are you envisioning in terms of supplementing and um, sort of adding the mandarin back into her life, given that she won't be in a day to day environment?
0: Yes. I actually did a research and I infiltrated into the middle school and high school. Yeah, I did that as a teacher, right? I volunteer and infiltrate into the program. I know all the teachers and I see the students' performances and I make a decision with my my daughter's personality and the family issue, everything. I decide not to go forward on this pathway, um, which, is, which is fine for me. But like what you said, we have to continue on this journey. So I already signed her up for... Uh, online program, the teachers are from Beijing. So the Beijing morning hour is our evening hour in the West Coast. So that worked out and it's actually a pretty good program. Um, And also uh, one thing we didn't talk about too much is about the extracurriculum because you want the kids to feel useful for using Chinese, uh, a good way is to participate in the different extracurriculum after school. So I will continue let my daughter to um join a Mandarin theater group. Yes, you have to <laughs> say the nice and sing the songs in the Mandarin musical. And that's a good way to keep up. We are actually doing Mulan right now, but not the Disney version of Mulan. The kids had to recite a whole Mulan poem written 1,400 years ago. That's a challenge. So I think for the for this online program and uh after school program I sign her up Um, that would just keep her mentoring proficiency in a certain level probably not progress too much but at least we can maintain a certain level Mm -hmm.
1: thank you well thank you so much for coming on the show today it's been great listening to you and your daughter's journey and just a lot for us to kind of take in and learn from it because um, as Grace and I have younger kids we're kind of starting this journey and we are you know, throughout the episode, we were nodding quite a bit because we feel a lot of what you've gone through and also trying to understand what our paths are as well, because it's never an easy one. It's never the same either for each family. So thank you so much.
0: It's my pleasure to be here.